Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. church this morning. Who's glad to be here? You guys, I'm so excited to be here this morning. Excited to be with you. If you are brand new to ACF, just welcome to church. Glad that you're here with us. And can we welcome everybody who's with us online as well? We're so glad that you're with us and part of our family. I saw Brent and Liz Hoffman are joining us from Prague today. Uh, They are part of our church family doing an amazing work there. We have a team coming at you guys here in just a few weeks. And so really excited to send them over there and see what God uh, is going to do through them in Prague. So excited about that. But um, man, we are... Summer's almost over, right? Like, it's, it's almost the end. I know you guys don't want to hear that, but uh, we are cruising through the summer, and uh, here at ACF, it's been a crazy season. Uh, we've been outside of our building here, meeting at the school every week, and I don't know if you guys know this, but we only have just a couple more weeks here at the school. So I want you to just be aware that there's going to be some changes coming up. Uh, we hope to have as few of you as possible show up here when we move back over there. And so uh, make sure if you're not signed up for the What's Happening email uh, that you pull out one of those cards and sign up for that today. If you're not getting text updates, uh, make sure you text that number and get those updates this morning because you're going to need to know what's going on. Lots of big things coming at us as a church. And if you are new and you're wondering what ACF is about, we are here to amplify the grace of Jesus to the churched, the unchurched, and the dechurched. So wherever you might be at today, um, if you are unchurched or dechurched, or if you're just brand new to Alaska looking for a church home, we're so glad uh, that you're here and just honored that you're with us. And just to kind of catch you up, uh, we are in a series of talks called Who Needs Church? It's a really important question to ask. Uh, the church is like, who needs this? Why are we doing this? What's the point of all of this? And for ACF this summer, it's been sort of a season of calibration where we've, we've stepped out of our normal routine and out of our building. And, and now here we are meeting in a high school, asking ourselves the question, why do we exist? What is, what is the reason for ACF to be here? Do we know our purpose? Do we know God's plan for us? Are we walking faithfully in the things that he's handed to us And so that's our goal as individuals and our goal as a church over the course of this summer. And and the series is walking through the book of Acts. And we've asked you to read along with us. I don't know how you've done. I hope you've kept up. And if you haven't, start today. Start catching up. There's uh, some bookmarks in the lobby. We'd love to give you a reading plan so that you can be read up as we come into the text every week. It's going to help make it a a lot more sense. And I know for some of you, probably, uh, you've never read through a whole book of the Bible. I know a lot of people that, you know, during quiet times or when, they, when they're reading their Bible, they sort of pick around and maybe just sort of like open it up and close their eyes and put, a, you know, their finger down and go, this must be verse of the day for me and ask God to speak through whatever it is. Uh, but I encourage you, if you've not read through Acts, just start off at the beginning. It doesn't take long to read through the whole book. Catch up with us. And as we go forward for the next few weeks, the, the pace is going to pick up, just so you know. 
the reading assignment was about uh, a chapter a week, and it's going to turn into three, four, five chapters a week as we kind of come towards the end of the book of Acts. And so heads up on that for all of you non-readers. Get ready. Get ready. Give yourself some extra time over the course of the next few weeks to, to pick this up. But this, this book is written by a man named Luke. Uh, Luke is a well-educated man, he's a doctor, and he's written this as sort of the the sequel to his first book, which is called Luke, that's right, yeah, some of you are still listening, Luke, the book of Luke, which is one of the Gospels, the story of the life of Jesus, and this is the the sequel of that book, where he he talks about the continuation of the move of the kingdom of God and of the Gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we sort of know the end of the story because we sit here today. And the end of the story is the gospel continues to move and be shared with people across the world like us. We are recipients of what happened in the early church. So what's so cool about this is it's sort of like reading our family story. It's like reading our history as a community. This is really where we began And up to this point, amazing things have happened. Uh, We had Pentecost where the Holy Spirit fell on the people and all of a sudden people started speaking in in different languages. And and then many thousands of people got saved. And and the the timing of this was really interesting because it was during sort of a big party. It was like Mardi Gras. I mean, like the Holy Spirit showing up and all these people getting saved at Mardi Gras. That's sort of what was going on at this time. And we see the continuation of the sharing of the gospel and then as we continue on here today, we see it expand out beyond their walls. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with a bit of a theme verse that we've been reading most every week, which is Acts 1.8. And so would you stand up with me real quick? And we're going to do something that we don't often do as a church, and we're going to read this together, if you guys would join with me in this. And so just kind of clear your throat for a second. And we're going we're to read this scripture out loud together. So don't leave me alone on the stage here. Ready? Here it is, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Amen. You guys can be seated. That really is what we're about, is, is our mission is from here, from our local community across to the ends of the earth. And what I love about this text is it shows that growth and expansion are at the heart of God. At the very heart of God are growth and expansion of his good news across the globe. And the gospel is not just for us. It's not just for this small elite crowd of people. It's actually for anyone and everyone. And I love where we get to live. We live in Anchorage, which is this very uh, melting pot of a community when it comes to different cultures. And in our first anniversary here in Alaska, I remember sitting at Simon's downtown with my wife, and we're, we're eating some dinner, and I noticed that there were some people next to me speaking a different language, which, which I thought was so cool. I love to sort of listen in, and, uh, and I just start wondering, what are they saying, right? And then I, and I noticed another couple were over here speaking even a different language. And by the time we got done with dinner, I had heard four or five different conversations happening in different languages all around me. And I just I felt like this was sort of almost like a, like a picture of God's kingdom and a picture of what we will experience one day in eternity are people from every tribe, tongue, and nation joining together in worship of God. And I just want you to know this is where the story is going. This is where the world is headed. And so it's so cool that we get to live where we live. And a, a study was done a, a few years back that said that Mountain View down in Anchorage was the most diverse community in the entire United States. And so right in our backyard is, are people from all over the world. And so what's so cool about this is that we don't have to actually go across the world, although we want to, but we don't have to go across the world to reach people from different places. We're surrounded, uh, living in a mission field that God has for us. And so I love this Acts 1-8 passage, the expansion and the growth of the gospel. And I love that what would happen is the church, as it was healthy, As they cared for one another, as they shared all that they had, the gospel would grow. The gospel message would grow beyond their walls. And what we see in this story is simply that healthy things grow. Healthy, and we know this to be true. This is kind of woven into creation that if you have a baby and that baby doesn't grow, we we would say, well, there's something wrong. Take that child to the doctor. The child isn't growing. There's, There's a problem, right? 
If you start a business and nobody is giving you referrals, right? Nobody's getting on Google to tell people how good of a job you did or, or Facebook reviews. Nobody's talking about what you're doing. There's probably a problem. Like if it's a healthy business and people are excited about it, it's probably going to grow. If you plant a seed in the ground and nothing happens, right? And if not, and this is my story. Whenever I try to plant something, nothing typically happens. But, but if you're planting a seed in the ground and nothing happens, something went wrong, right? You didn't water it. You planted it in poor soil. Something happened that wasn't supposed to happen, and it's not growing. So we know this just as a, from creation that healthy things grow, but also the, the same is true about us as individuals, is that if we're not growing, we're probably not healthy, And I want you to even ask yourself the question this morning, are you farther along today than you were six months ago or even a year ago? Are you growing in your journey with Jesus? And for you, growth may not be that you're going on a mission trip across the world or or even serving in church yet. For you, growth might be, Brian, I'm just showing up to church every other week right now instead of once a month. Like for me, that's a, that's a step forward in my journey with Jesus. I'm not sure if I believe it yet. I'm not sure that I buy the whole resurrection thing, but I'm here. And, and for somebody else, your next step may be something else, like going, going across the world on a, on a mission trip, or it might be a serving in a different capacity, or maybe God's calling you to be a teacher or a, a pastor in some other way. And so you're, you're, you're journeying with Jesus, trying these new things, taking steps forward, because healthy things grow. And we really believe this. As we, start to, as we start to grow personally, the church will begin to grow. And we'll start to see over time our friends hear the gospel and respond to it. Maybe even that friend that you thought would never step foot in church one day walks in the door, one day shows up here, and you're like, man, I'm so excited, right? We really believe that this is what Jesus' people do. If you're a person who follows Jesus, this is what you do because Jesus' followers help other people follow Jesus, period. End of story. You see, this isn't sort of an optional thing. It's not like, well, one day then I will begin to tell people about Jesus. No, the moment you follow Jesus, you take on yourself the mission that he had. And Jesus, as he was on earth, was constantly declaring the kingdom of God, sharing the good news with people, and people were following him. And so if you're going to be a Jesus follower, you're going to help people follow Jesus. It's just sort of part of our DNA as Jesus followers. So you see, healthy things grow. Um, I want to say that uh, a few years ago, I, I, started a, uh, I started a garden. This was back in Grand Junction, Colorado, and um, I am not uh, a gardener. It's not something I do very well, but in Grand Junction, everything grows. It's pretty cool. You just throw stuff in the ground. It's, uh, irrigate, the whole town's irrigated by the Colorado River, and so you put that Colorado River water on it, and then stuff seems to just pop up out of the ground, and so even guys like me can grow a garden. And so I remember putting stuff in the ground, and then one year we wanted to plant uh, sweet corn. We thought that'd be so cool to be able to go out to the backyard and pull off an ear of corn and toss it on the grill. And, and, and so planted two rows of sweet corn in the ground. And sure enough, it started popping up out of the ground and uh, we just kept watering it and we had these, these stalks of sweet corn. And then, of course, I'm excited because I want to pull the corn off and I keep checking it and there's no corn. I keep checking, no corn. And the summer's wearing on, and I'm like, where's my corn at? What's going on here? So I'm just dumping water on it, hoping that I'll get some sweet corn. And by the end of the summer, there was nothing. So disappointed. So disappointed. And I was talking with a friend of mine that knows a little bit more about gardening and planting than I do. And what he told me the problem was is he said, your corn failed to pollinate. And I was like, well, explain that to me. And he says, well, in a, in a big field of corn, what happens is the wind blows and the, the stalks start bouncing off of one another and then the, the pollen starts to move around from one to the next and then they pollinate and then all of a sudden you start getting ears of corn. But without that pollination, all I had was two rows of worthless corn. They did nothing. They did absolutely nothing. And the reason I share that story with you is that the church can kind of become the same thing. We can sort of come in here every week and sit in our happy little rows and do the church thing and and fail to pollinate, fail to go out and rub shoulders with our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers who need to hear about the gospel. 
And that is actually part of what it means to be healthy as believers is that we share the good news. Because the corn hadn't pollinated, it didn't produce. And because it didn't produce, all I had was two rows of worthless corn. The same is true in the church. A church that doesn't share the good news is a church that doesn't reproduce. And that becomes a church that doesn't actually do anything for the kingdom of God. So we see two things. We see that healthy things grow and growing things multiply. Growing things multiply. If we're going to be healthy, we're going to grow. And if we're going to grow, we're going to multiply ourselves. And I want you to know that as we have prayed as a leadership team of ACF about this next season, we really believe that God is calling us to multiply calling us to to send out what we have here beyond our walls to our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of this very earth. And this idea of multiplication is woven into creation. We read in Genesis 1.28 what's called the cultural mandate, which is that we would go be fruitful and multiply. We see that as, as, as human beings, right? We have children, we multiply ourselves, but the church was meant to do the same thing to multiply God's kingdom message beyond our walls to the ends of the earth. And so that is our heart. And as I said last week, we're we're talking about how we're pouring these resources into our building on Brooks Loop. And maybe some of you are wondering, why are we doing that? And we really believe that our Brooks Loop campus is a base camp for our Acts 1-8 mission. That that this is really a, because I don't get excited about buildings. I'll be honest. I mean, buildings don't really excite me. What excites me is when people come to know Jesus. That really excites me. And what I've found, though, is that buildings are uh, really powerful, useful tools to help people get to know Jesus. And that as we gather every week, like we, like we talked about last week, and we, and we rest together, and we worship together, and we encourage each other, that, that this facility will be a base camp for the mission that God has set for us. And you guys, I'm so excited about this next season because I really believe that um, like a base camp, God is preparing us and and telling us to sort of pack for an expedition that's to come. I really feel like like God's preparing us for an expedition and that we're, we're preparing this place as a base camp for what he's calling us into in this next season. And if you want to know where he's taking us, you're going to have to wait because we're going to talk about it here in about a month. So you're going to hear more about that as we come into that. But Jesus... Jesus spent a lot of time camping, a lot of time with his friends, and, and after the resurrection, he comes back, and uh, he's hanging out with his closest friends, and he gives them what he calls the great, or what we call the great commission. And it says in Matthew 28, 18, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now this idea of going to the nations, this, this idea of nations, it's, it's the Greek word ethnos. It's where we get the word ethnicity. And, and so when I, I remember when I first read this scripture, I was like, okay, so God's calling us to go on mission trips to Africa and you know, Indonesia and across the world. But, and, and, and certainly he is, but this text isn't so much about location as much as it is about the people that we see around us. The the ethnicity, the the idea that the gospel is for everyone across the world, no matter where you've come from, no matter where you grew up, no matter what your church background is, that the gospel is for every single human being on the face of the earth. And when the disciples heard Jesus say this, I guarantee their jaws dropped to the floor. Because for them, there's still this understanding that, that they were part of God's special chosen people, right? With this Jewish heritage. And so surely the, 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 they were the ones that the gospel was really meant for. And Jesus, throughout the gospels, we're hearing him say the gospel is so much bigger than that. As Jesus spends time with people that nobody else wanted to spend time with. I mean, Jesus really spent time with all the wrong kind of people, didn't he? Like people that we'd be like, that's not the person we expect Jesus the Messiah, to spend time with. And the same was true in their time. Jesus was constantly judged for the people he spent time with. The implications of Matthew 28, 18 are intense. The gospel is for everyone. A way of translating what he's saying here is that you're going to make disciples out of all the wrong type of people. All the people that you would determine to be not fit for the kingdom of God, they're the ones I want you to go to. They're the ones that I want you to share the good news with. 
I wonder for you, when you think of the wrong type of people, who do you think of? Honestly, when I think of it, I think first of myself. Like, I don't think I'm the right type of person in many ways to be doing what I'm doing. And I've always had insecurities about being a pastor. And I remember a few years ago, I stepped into this role as a a lead pastor here at ACF. And in that time, I was really insecure about taking that next step and kind of scared about like what what it was going to be like. And so I was seeking feedback from a lot of different pastors and people that I really respected. And so one guy I shared this with, I was like, hey, here's this opportunity. I'm thinking about stepping into this role as a senior pastor. What do you think about this? And his response was, oh, I never thought of you. Oof, right? You ever had one of those moments where you're like, thank you for um, solidifying any insecurity that I've ever had in my heart in this moment. Thank you for making, you know, and, and the, the heart wasn't for that, but it was just sort of like, oh, I just didn't see you doing that, right? And so, of course, you know, I had to deal with that insecurity anyway. Uh, maybe you've had that put on you before where somebody was like, yeah, I just didn't think that was you. I just didn't think you were really made for that. For some of you, even being in church feels that way. Like there are people in your life that are like, yeah, I didn't ever pin you as a church person, right? I never think that you would be somebody that'd be like serving in the church or, or greeting at the church or playing in the worship band. Maybe you think you're the wrong type of person. But I would say it probably goes beyond that, doesn't it? I bet you and I both have a list of people that we would say, God, you're powerful and you can do anything, but you probably can't save that person. You probably can't work in that person's life. God, they're just a little too far for even you. I mean, who is the wrong type of person? For them, really, anybody that hadn't had their heritage or wasn't from their background was the kind of person that they were like, I'm not so sure that that's where God wants to go, right? I'm not sure God wants to go that far. It hurts to hear somebody say, I never thought of you, doesn't it? Here's what I want you to know. Look me in the eyes. God never says that. God never says, I never thought of you. From the beginning of time, God has thought of you. He's had a plan for you. He's wanted you to be in his family. And it's his desire to heal up anyone and everyone who feels like they're not the right type of person. I mean, God takes the addicted, the proud, the angry, the sexually promiscuous, the emotionally damaged, the abused, the abusive, the depressed, the anorexic, the gluttonous, the suicidal, the rejected, the burned out, judgmental, religious people, and he heals them and restores them to health and wholeness. That's what Jesus does. I hope I didn't miss anybody in the room because we're probably all on that list somewhere. And so because Jesus does that, what that means is God wants us to do that too. If we, have, if we have the same mission of Jesus, then it's our job to look for people who need restoration and bring them to the feet of Jesus. That's just what we're called to do. So we look for the strung out and the thrown out, and we want to see God use them as the sent out into the kingdom of God to make more disciples. And we're always looking for that everywhere we go. And so last week I gave you a bit of a foundation for this week as we move on in the book of Acts This idea of cheap grace and costly grace and that the grace of God is something so beautiful that we want to put into action in our lives. And if you want to open up to Acts chapter 11, this is where we're going to be today. If you want to download the ACF Church app, all the text will be on there as well. This is Acts chapter 11, verse 1. Once again, the gospel is expanding and and we see uh, Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. And uh, we're going to continue that story right here. It says in verse 1, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. <laughs> now you've got to read that and be like, I have questions, right? I have some questions about Circumcision party, you know, I don't need an invitation to that party. I don't know what that party is. I'm not interested in that, right? There's a lot of questions when you read a text like that, especially if you don't know kind of the context of what's going on here. So first off, we see Peter is is sharing the gospel, right? And we see him sharing the gospel with people that other people are like, those are the wrong type of people. Jesus, uh, Peter, what are you doing? Like, these are the wrong type of of people, people. The, the word is getting out that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, were hearing about Jesus and responding to him. 
And so the church in Jerusalem, the leaders are like, hey, what's going on here? What's happening here? We're not sure we're okay with this. This idea of circumcision, if you're wondering what that's about, this is a sign that God gave his people. Way back in the, 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 the Old Testament, of the, this is a sign that he is, you're, you're one of his chosen people. And so there was this challenging thing going on in the church where they were arguing whether or not circumcision was necessary for salvation. And they end up deciding that it's not, but there was a lot of conversation because that would have been a sign that, oh, these are the right people. The circumcised people were the people that God had chosen, so surely they're the ones to hear the gospel, but not these people over here. And so the the language is really interesting. (laughs) We call them the circumcision party. Really, another way of speaking about these people is these were the legalists of the day. These These were the Christians who were always pulling out the rule book going, hey, foul, right? Foul, these people are breaking the rules. This is not what we expected. And so really, these were the legalists of their day. The question you might have is like, which side of the table might you be on? I know I was thinking that. Because certainly I have seen things in the church or seen the gospel go to people and been like, really, God, that person? Certainly we've judged others before like as being unworthy of what God is doing in their lives. We've even been jealous of other people and and like, no, God, I thought I was your special person. You can't do that in their life. And so you see all of this happening in the early church just like it does in our lives today. How do you know if you're a legalist? Well, Legalists will always sacrifice love for the law. They'll always go back to, man, remember God, you said that this, this sign of circumcision was, was essential and necessary, but now, you know, now you've got these people who are coming into the church and they don't come from the same background. They haven't had the same rituals and traditions that we have. I'm not so sure. I'm okay with that. And so instead of loving these people, they always come back to the law. Legalists will always sacrifice love for the law, but in John 13, Jesus makes it very clear. He says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Apparently, love is the new law. Apparently, this is all that really matters is love. Jesus makes it very clear that there is really only one, lo- one law. And that now we live after the resurrection under the law of love. But legalists will always walk back and trade love for the law. But Peter, I love Peter. Peter is just going rogue, sharing the gospel with anybody and everybody that will listen to him. I love that he's like, he just really believes that every person on the face of the earth deserves an invitation to the table. It doesn't matter where you are what you've been through, where you've come from. Every person on the face of the earth deserves an invitation to the table. I love their criticism of him. He ate with them. This is a really common criticism that we read, both of Peter, also of Jesus. The same is true. The same criticism was made of, and Luke, as he's writing this, has to be sort of smiling as he's writing it, like, this sounds familiar. Peter looks a lot like Jesus right now. Because in Luke 15, 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. First off, notice who draws near to Jesus. All the wrong type of people. All the wrong type of people are drawing towards Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes, these are the religious people, who we would see as the right type of people, they grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So once again, we see judgment We see this feeling of sort of insiders and outsiders, this idea that, no, no, God, those are not the right type of people. It's one of the things we've said before, is that people like Jesus like people who are nothing like Jesus. People like Jesus like people who are nothing like Jesus, because that's what Jesus did. He constantly spent time with those who were the outsiders, those who seemed like all the wrong type of people. Let's keep going. Acts 11, 19. It says, now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, remember Stephen was stoned, Uh, he was the first martyr of the Christian church, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. Okay, so we see people who are new believers, who are part of this, this chosen people, 
who are sharing the gospel with more who are part of those chosen people, right? It's like, like we're sharing the gospel with those who are like us, which I'll admit is kind of what I like to do. I, I, I'm just naturally, I want to spend time with those who are like me. And so that's what they're doing is they're like, man, let's go share the gospel with those who are sort of like us. And so they're sharing the gospel with only Jews. Maybe you've known somebody that you're sort of, when you see them, you think they'd be a really good Christian. And man, they're just nice and they're loving and they're kind and they don't know Jesus yet, but they're sort of like low fruit on the tree. So you're like, man, it's going to be super easy to share the gospel with them. We have a lot of things in common. It seems like we're after the same things in life. They just don't get the Jesus thing yet. But I think they can, right? So we have these type of people who are like, I'm going to go after anybody and everybody who's just like me and share the gospel. Now, they end up in Antioch, which, you know, the, the message of the gospel begins in Jerusalem. But now Antioch sort of becomes ground zero and home base for Paul and Barnabas as they continue on their missionary journeys. A, f- a few things about Antioch. This is about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. It's the third largest city in the Roman Empire. And this, the people of Antioch, they know how to party. I mean, they know how to live it up. It's a very affluent city. Lots of money flowing through the city. The streets were paved with marble, which is just awesome, right? And it was the only city in the Roman Empire that had streetlights so you could party at night. That was the idea. So it was a really, you know, in many ways, there's a lot of fun things going on, but it was also a really dark city full of prostitution and, and idol worship and self-indulgence, not really much different than many of our cities today, uh, where a lot, of, a lot of broken things happen behind um, the pretty lights that are out. So they end up in this city that's, that's a very uh, dark and needy city, and people are sharing the gospel, but they're only sharing it with those who are like them. Verse 20, but there were some of them, listen, there were some of them, these are the people that got it. There were some of them men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists. And the Hellenists were just Greek-speaking Gentiles. They were, again, those who were not part of God's original chosen people, right? Also preaching the Lord Jesus, and and the hand of the Lord was on them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. So this is also the first time we hear of average, everyday people being the ones who are moving the mission forward. Uh, Up to this point, we see God's uh, chosen leaders sharing the gospel, preaching sermons, thousands of people getting saved. But now what we see is the people are starting to get it. The people are, it'd be like today, you go in, it's not Brian's job only to share the good news, it's actually my job. Like, I have to own this because this is, the, the Great Commission isn't just for, for leaders. It's actually for every individual who calls himself a follower of Jesus. Because followers of Jesus help people follow Jesus, right? And so we see this small crowd of people, which God, God bless them, right? Because we wouldn't be here if these people didn't get it. This small crowd of people go, you know what? I think the gospel's for everyone, that everyone deserves a seat at the table. And so they start sharing the good news with the Gentiles, preaching about Jesus. And I love that it says, and the hand of the Lord was on them. It's interesting that Luke talks about two crowds of people, those who are sharing the gospel with people who are just like them, and those who are sharing the gospel with all the wrong kind of people. And he says, the hand of the Lord was with these people, the ones who are stepping out and sharing the good news with all the wrong kind of people. And as that happened, we see God's grace flowing freely in the city of Antioch and people coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And what I love is just that it's people like you and me. These are just average people who have had their hearts transformed, their hearts changed by the grace of Jesus. These outsiders who were brought to the inside of the family of God and they saw themselves as part of the mission. You see, God doesn't only want to restore the wrong type of people. He wants to use them. If you're here today and you're like, yeah, Brian, I'm the wrong type of person. I don't see myself as a a church person or a, a religious person. You're in the right place. But know this, God doesn't only want to restore what's broken in your heart or in your spirit. He actually wants to use you. So um, I maybe told a little bit of the story before, but when I was uh, seven years old, I got hit by a car 
It's a long story. It was the day I got out of school for the summer. Um, I was playing where I wasn't supposed to play. Totally my fault. And uh, I got hit by an 85-year-old man in like a big Buick station wagon. Plowed me down. He ended up in the ditch. And uh, I ended up with a broken leg, broken three places. Seven years old. And that's how I spent my summer, was in a cast from my waist to my ankles. Not how a little seven-year-old wants to spend his summer. And so I remember just hating it because I wanted to go running and, and I want to be out in the woods. And we lived uh, at that point in upstate New York on Lake Champlain. And so I wanted to be on the boat and get out there, but I couldn't do really any of it because I had this cast on my legs. And so then the day came to get the cast off. I'm so excited. So I sat on the table with a doctor and he got out the little pizza cutter thing and, you know, and shows me it won't cut my skin. And he's like, hey, you're going to be okay. And I'm freaking out, but I'm fine. He starts buzzing this thing off. And as he's doing it, I'm like, I'm so excited to run out of here. And he's like, no, you're not. And I'm like, yes, I am. I'm going to run out of here. And he's like, you're just not. And so, of course, I knew more than him. I was determined. I'm like, I'm going to get off this table and do cartwheels around this room when you get this stupid cast off my legs. And so he cuts the cast off. I jump off the table and I crumble into the ground like a ball of mush. My legs were just these like toothpicks, right? For eight weeks, I hadn't used them, and so there was no strength at all in them. And it took me another month of pool therapy and working on my legs before I could even walk again. It's amazing. It's amazing how bad it is for the body when muscles aren't used, right? And it's interesting, the same is true about you as a Christian. So God doesn't just want to restore you. He wants to use you. And as he uses you, you will be strengthened. Because let's be honest, some of you in the room here today, you are one small gust of wind away from never coming back to church. You are one small gust of wind away from never uh, pursuing God and, and away from kind of rejecting your faith. One difficult season, one moment of struggle where you're just, man, you're off in the ditch. But I want to tell you, most of the people who find themselves in that place have not put themselves in positions to be used by God. Because when you are used by God, when you put yourself in a place of submission to him, you say, God, I'm here. Use me. I want to serve. I want to love people. I want to sacrifice for others. What you see is your faith grows. You start to see what happened in your heart happen in other people's hearts. And you start to believe even more that Jesus is alive. And he's working. And the Holy Spirit is active. You see, God doesn't just want to heal us for us. I think that's a, that's a massive shift. He doesn't just want to heal us for us. He wants to heal us from things to things. He wants to heal us from our pride to pursue our purpose. He wants to heal us from our lust to liberate the captives. He wants to heal us from our rage to restore the hopeless. Jesus wants to heal us from things to things. And as soon as you allow God to begin to use you, you'll start to see his grace is more and more evident than ever, is more real than ever. So here in this moment, we see the wrong type of people becoming the tip of the spear in terms of the mission of God to the world. The, the wrong type of people being used by God to share the good news. In verse 22, it says, the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And they're like, hey, Barney, go check out what's going on, because we don't know what's happening in Antioch. Seems like all the wrong type of people are getting saved. We're not sure what we think about this. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. I love that. He was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas shows up to Antioch, and he sees a church that's like the island of mis misfit toys. It's just a total mess, right? People from all different races and backgrounds and, and, and religions coming together to follow Jesus, make him the Lord of their lives. And some people who are, because remember, he is one of the most mature believers in the church, right? This is Barnabas. He's a leader. It's interesting. Some leaders, when they see a church like that, they wouldn't result in worship and, and just be glad and excited. They would actually become very judgmental, right? And, and when you see God working in the hearts of people who seem like the wrong type of people, you will respond in one or the other, either in judgment of them or in worship of God. You'll either be like, God, how could you? That's the wrong type of person. Or you'll be like, God, I'm so glad that your grace is big enough for me and for them. 
And Barnabas shows up and he's just glad. He's overjoyed that God is working. You see, God's grace is most evident where the need is most present. It's most evident, it's most clearly seen where the need is most present. And when Barnabas walks in and sees this crowd of, of ragtag Christians, he's like, wow, these people need a lot of grace. And then he goes, and they've got lots. I love that he says that. He says God's grace is, is so clearly on these people. He saw the grace of God and he was glad. Do you celebrate when who you think is the wrong type of person has their life transformed? Do you celebrate when God pours out his grace on those type of people? Or do you find yourself being judgmental or jealous of what God's doing in their lives? I love that Barnabas sees what's going on there. And, and I really felt a lot of a kind of a, a kinship to, to what's going on there with what we have in ACF. Because we are all the wrong type of people, this church. And I love that. I love that. I mean, so many of you have a background where you're like, man, I never went to church as a kid, or, or maybe you had a season where you walked away from church, and you, were like, you never thought you'd ever see yourself sitting in a church in a high school in Eagle River on a Sunday morning. And here you are, wrong type of person. Praise God. Praise God that grace, his grace was big enough. And what I see in that moment, I see that his grace is so evident in your life, in my life, really in all of our lives. His grace is so evident because the need is so present. It's so vivid. It's sort of like this if you've ever watched uh, Major League Baseball. And there's like a pop fly to the outfield. And the outfielder is, you know, he's getting ready to catch the ball. And, you know, you go get a bag of potato chips because you know what's coming, right? He's going to catch the ball. Whatever. Game's going to move on, right? I mean, the idea, it's, it's like, well, that's what you get paid. Lots of money to do. You're going to catch the ball. It's a pop fly. Not a big deal. It's not something we'd celebrate very much. But my little boy played baseball this year, and it was awesome. And there were a couple of times where there were some pop flies out, and he's got his glove up in the air. He's doing one of these, right? Right? And we're all biting our fingernails. All the parents are freaking out on the stands, right? We're wondering what is going to happen. And we're cheering for him, but in the back of our minds, we're thinking, there's no way, right? It's just not going to happen. And then I remember my little boy like catching one and he gets it and we're like, woo, right? Just freaking out, freaking out. The crowd goes wild, right? Because we didn't expect it. We couldn't believe it. It's just amazing that that happened. The same is true in the lives of other people, man. When we see God's grace work in someone's life, man, when, when, when the need is, is so evident, his grace is so present, so easy to see his grace in those situations. Here's the gospel truth in all of this. We are all the wrong type of people, made right with God through the grace of Jesus. Every individual in this room, every single one of us, we are all the wrong type of people. None of us deserve to be in the family of God. We've done nothing to earn it. And that was what, what he was fighting up against in, in their day. It's what Paul was fighting up against. It's what, it's what Peter's fighting up against. Sharing the gospel with people who didn't have it all figured out. Their lives weren't right. They didn't have the customs figured out. They didn't know how to sit in church and just be good little Christians and, and how to fake it. They hadn't learned to fake it yet, praise God. They just were sort of a mess coming in to the grace of Jesus. And I want you to know that that is all of our story and when we're willing to embrace it and acknowledge it, we're going to see God's grace so evident and present before us. But you have to move beyond faking it. You have to move beyond acting like you've got it together. You have to assume the position of all of these people that you don't deserve what you have. And when you do, you'll start to see God's grace be more and more present in your life. And then you'll start to share it in abundance with people who you would have maybe never even thought of sharing the gospel with before. We are all the wrong type of people made right with God through the grace of Jesus. So I want you to consider tonight, what, or today, what if you would just embrace your weakness? Embrace the reality of, of the, the struggles in your life. Not that you would walk in sin or walk in the things that God is, is calling you away from, but that you'd embrace the reality that you have such a need for his grace. And when you do, what you'll start seeing is God using you through those struggles. 
We talked last week about how we pursue comfort. Remember that? How we pursue comfort because we want a life where we don't need God. That's something that's within most of us. But here's the thing. Independence is actually not the point. We don't, we don't want to not need God. Our goal is actually to need God more and more. I mean, really, really the most Christ-like thing that you can do is to be fully dependent upon the Father. That is our goal. And I ran across this quote this week that I just, it hit me so hard. I wanted to share it with you. It's that if dependence is the goal, then weakness is of our advantage. If dependence is the goal, then weakness is of our advantage. If our goal is to depend more on God than acknowledging that we are the wrong type of people, that we don't deserve any of this, that, that we have all kinds of weakness is actually our advantage because it, it presses us more into the Father. It puts us more on our knees. It causes us to depend more on him for our day-to-day things. What is it in your life that you have as a weakness, that you've seen as a disadvantage to you being used by God? I want you to know every weakness in this room, God wants to use it to multiply his grace in the world around us. He wants to use that mistake that you made 20 years ago. He wants to use the struggle that you're in right now to draw friendships together. He wants to use every issue in your life, every inadequacy that you struggle with for the kingdom. And when he does, his grace will be made known, not just in your life, but in the lives of the people around you. So where's your weakness today? Maybe for you, the start is simply to receive God's grace. I mean, for you, you don't know any of this because you're like, I don't feel any grace in my life, Brian. Weakness just feels like death to me. And for you, in Galatians, I want to just read this passage because it makes it so clear of what your next step is. Because your next step is not to fix the weakness. Your next step is not to clean your life up. He says this in Galatians 3.21, Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. See, the purpose of the law was never It was never to heal you. It was never to make you right before God, but to identify how desperate you are in need of his grace. And then he says, but the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. Every individual in this room, prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. No other way of doing it. No other way around it. Only by throwing yourself at the mercy of God. And receiving his grace, will you receive the freedom that you want? Maybe you look at yourself today and you're thinking, there's no way. There's no way. If you're there today, I want you to let Jesus be the way. Invite him into your heart. And I just want you to know, when you do, the crowd goes wild. We'll freak out. We, 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 we get excited every week. We see people fill out cards that say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And as a staff, we celebrate that. We send it out to our prayer teams. We, we get so excited when people choose to make him the Lord of their lives, no matter where you came from. If you're like, Brian, I'm so far from Jesus, I know. I know maybe you are, but know this, that we're going to celebrate his grace all the more. So would you stand up with me today? I want to pray for us as we move on in worship today. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Jesus, thank you so much that you meet us where we are. And we just declare uh, today that we are, are all weak and that we all stand today with pretty broken resumes. And we've made decisions that we know don't honor you or other people or ourselves well. And, and none of us deserve a seat at the table except but by your grace. So because of that, God, you have called all of us to be invited in, all of us to come to you in humility, but also in boldness. And so I want to pray for the man or woman here today um, that senses you drawing them near to yourself. God, that you'd allow them to let their guard down and to let you into their lives. And Father, for all of us, that we would be able to celebrate some of the weakness in our lives as opportunities to be used by you and to magnify your grace to the world. Jesus, we love you and we pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. I want to do something else real quick, actually. I just feel like God's kind of speaking to me over the past few weeks. Um, Anybody here just been praying for healing in your own life? Just raise your hand. 
If you've been praying just for physical healing in any way in your own life, I just feel like one of the things that we see in the book of Acts is just this kind of praying for each other. Um, I'm going to embarrass Grace. Grace and I were talking. Sorry, Grace. You don't have to say anything. Grace has uh, chronic back pain. And uh, she's been praying every single morning that God would heal her pain. So you guys see her up here singing, but every single week she's like just trying to make it through the worship set. And so I know many of you have uh, pain in your life, things that you're struggling with. And so um, if you raised your hand a second ago, I want you to put it up and I want people around you just, would you just lay a hand on their shoulder real quick? And I just want to pray together as a church for God's healing. And so put your hand up if you've just been asking for God to heal you. And then people around you, look around, look around the room. Don't look at me. Look for hands around you. I want nobody in the room to be left um, with their hand up and not being prayed for today. So just, get, just move around, get your hand high in the room so we don't miss you. So look around, don't miss anybody. Yep, I know this is weird for some of you, but just deal with it. Um, yeah, so put your hand up, and we'd love to just gather around you and pray God's healing upon you. We really believe that the Spirit works today um, in the same way that He's always worked, that He's here to heal us and to, to actually make us right. And so whatever that healing might, like, might look like, we just want to trust God with that. And so um, let's pray together. Jesus, I pray for grace and pray for all the men and women here today that need your healing on their lives. Father, we trust that uh, you are the great physician, God, and that you know us so intimately, that you created us. And God, the pain that we experience is not how we were meant to live life. And yet, God, we uh, live in a, in a broken and, and, and fallen world, and we trust, God, that even um, in the weakness, that your grace is made more evident, it's more visible. And so, God, our heart is for you to heal today. God, heal the wounds that are in us. God, heal our, our broken hearts and the parts of us that would doubt you. Um, and God, help us to grow in faith. God, heal our bodies. Heal our sicknesses. Heal our minds, Jesus. We live in a state full of depression and, and broken minds. God, we, I pray that you'd heal our minds. And God, we just trust you with the results in any way, God. In all of this, it's just our heart to submit our will to your will. God, we really pray your will be done. God, here in Alaska, as it is in heaven. That's our heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together.